0: You're listening to a podcast by Abide Church and Pastor Dan DeBell in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We pray this podcast helps you live, love, and look more like Jesus this week. Enjoy the message. Uh, Hey, I want to remind you, as I said a little bit earlier, today will be our final in-person service for the remainder of 2022 um, because this building has sold that we've been leasing for a couple years now. And so uh, I've said this before, I'll continue to say it. Yeah, it was kind of a surprise to us, but it was not a surprise to God. And so that's why we walk by faith and not by sight, because if you just walk by sight, uh, you're going to hit the panic button and you're going to freak out way more than you need to, everybody. So uh, we're going to trust God in it and believe that uh, our best days are our next days. And so we're going to continue to trust God. So here's how this is going to look. We will have two more services in December, on the 11th and on the 18th. The 18th will be our Christmas service. Those will be online. So if you go to our YouTube channel, Every Sunday at 10 a.m., there will be a brand new service for you, a message uh, for you. Our Christmas service might look a little bit different, but there'll be a message and things on there so that you'll be able to continue to stay connected, hear what's going on, and uh, hear a brand new message. Here's what I would encourage you to do. It's been awesome. I've already heard from several people in our church on how they're planning to stay connected with friends and with family. Uh, I know several people that are going to get together uh, at someone's house and do breakfast and then watch service online which I love that. I think that's an awesome idea. Um, If you're a little more introverted, but you just want to keep your PJs on, I'll let it pass this time, okay, if you're going to stay home and and keep your PJs on and watch service this time. Um, But uh, anyway, that's where you're going to access it. We'll send out an email each week with some updated info and how you can get it and a link to it and all that good stuff. And so uh, it'll be on our YouTube channel. It might be on our Facebook as well. Uh, We're still working through all of that, but for sure it'll be on our YouTube channel. It'll premiere at at, at 10 o'clock. And so um, I want to remind you, give you an update on we've started this giving campaign with all of this going on. We had a plan to do this giving campaign to kind of prepare for our next step in purchasing a building of our own and things like that, uh, and so we kind of were jump started this giving campaign a little bit because of the news of this building uh, selling so quickly and so we started this campaign called god 's house our home we are acknowledging that yes this is god 's house, but we are looking for a home for our church of our own and so in doing so our goal was to raise one hundred and thirty five thousand dollars in six months. you can go ahead and put up that next chart uh, This chart can be confusing if you haven 't got one of these we have these in a flyer form. In the main lobby, as you leave today, if you want to grab one, but to kind of break this down, I'm going to go to the bottom because that might be the most relatable one. If 60 people on the bottom left down there, we mean this: if 60 people over the next six months say, "Hey, I will give $250," that breaks down to $42 a month or 10, roughly $10 a week. That, if 60 people will do that, and then if 10 or 30 people will do, "Hey, I can give $500." over six months, not 500 today, but in, the, in six months time, that's $19 a week. So see how it kind of breaks down. If, if all of these people, 60 individuals, 30 individuals, or 15 individuals can give a thousand all the way up to uh, the very top, if that many people, which is a roughly 122 people, if 122 people can pick something on here or somewhere in between and say, hey, I can do that. What's great is in six month time, even though $135,000 is a lot of money, and that's a big goal, we can achieve that. So here's what's awesome. I want to give you an update. Here's what's awesome. You can go ahead and put up the updated total. So far, $25,195 has come in, <laughs> which is amazing. So lo- roughly three and a half weeks we've been doing this. We've seen this amount come in. Just this past week, it was around a or a little over $2,000 that have come in. <clears throat> so thank you, thank you, thank you for your generosity. Also put up here, if you haven't given, there's different ways uh, you can give. We'll put that up here. But this is also on one of those little flyers. On your way out, if you want to grab one, take one home and pray about it, you may say, well, I can't give 10 bucks a month. But maybe you pray about it and God says, give uh, or, you know, $2 a month, $2 a week, whatever it might be. God might put something on your heart uh, for you to give. And that's what I've been asking throughout this whole thing is that you wouldn't just give an amount that Pastor Dan is telling you. You wouldn't give because Pastor Dan is twisting your arm or uh, making, giving you a guilt trip into giving. But that you would give in response to what God's put on your heart. Because that's where the blessing is. The blessing is in obedience to God, not in uh, necessarily obedience to whatever I tell you to do. That's why I always say, I'll, "I'm going to give you guidance." God's given me words for you, to, uh, but at the end of the day, don't take my word for it. What? Take God's word for it, right? That's always the goal here. So, let's get into today's message. Today, I'm going to talk about the title for today is "Bread and War." Bread and War. Sounds like a great Christmassy type message, right? Bread and war. It actually is. I'll show you what I mean. Uh, uh, God gave me this message in the sense of this, that a lot of people have a misunderstanding of God's house. They misunderstand God's house. And what I want to talk specifically about is the town of Bethlehem. The town of Bethlehem. We're going to read part of the Christmas story today, and we're going to see how Bethlehem plays a huge part. Many times I think in my life I just thought Bethlehem was, yeah, it was important. Help fulfill prophecy, yes, but then I think Bethlehem, I I don't really have any other meaning or uh, association with it outside of that. But I want to see and show you today how Bethlehem and the meaning behind it is actually principles that the church, the modern church, should be following today. So we're going to get to that. Let me read the story first. Matthew chapter 2, starting in verse 1, it says this. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying... are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will be shepherd of my people. Let me stop there for a second. Jesus fulfilled conservatively 350 unique prophecies. His his birth, life, death, and resurrection. Conservatively 350 unique prophecies. The chances that he would fulfill... 89 unique prophecies with his life. 89. He fulfilled 350 plus. But the chances that he would fulfill 89 unique prophecies is 1 in 10 with 157 zeros behind it. Okay? I was going to put that on the screen, but it literally took the whole screen. Okay? Imagine 1 up there and zeros. 10 with 157 zeros behind it. That's 1 in that amount would be that Jesus fulfilled 89 prophecies. We know he fulfilled at least 350 unique prophecies. So here's what's encouraging to us is when God prophesies, when God speaks, there is prophecy and there is fulfillment. Many times we see God speaking and we think there's a huge gap in between and then it shows up. But in God's eyes what happens is when he says it, when he puts it into place, when he starts something, that he sees the fulfillment through. Our God is amazing. The details of Jesus' life is absolutely amazing. Let's continue in verse 7. Then Herod uh, summoned the wise men secretly, and he ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. Obviously, he was lying here. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went behind them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. Verse 10, when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and they worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. What an amazing turn of events here. We're going to stop right here and we're going to dive into it. Here's what I love is that the wise men, they brought these gifts to Jesus, not because uh, Jesus practically needed them. Yes, did it bless his family? Absolutely. But he is also the son of God. Did Jesus practically need these for his life to succeed? No, he had God's hand on him. He, so they brought these because it represented a heart, an attitude, and a position of honor. They were honoring the king. It's the same reason that we tithe when we get together, right? Why do I give 10%, the first 10% of my income back to the local church? It's not because God's kingdom hinges on my generosity, does it help? Sure. Am I playing a part? Absolutely. But can I tell you something? God will build his church. Okay. <laughs> God will build his church. However, we have the opportunity to partner with it and in doing so experience the blessing of God in our lives. Because here's the truth. Even if I choose to walk in obedience and I don't give to, the, to, to God, and I don't honor uh, his command to give or to return the tithe. God will still build his church. I will just miss out on the blessing of God in my life. And I don't give so that I can be blessed, but I will miss out on God's favor and walking under his umbrella of protection in the way that I should go. And so it's the same way that we see here the wise men bringing these gifts. It wasn't because there was an obligation. No, they brought it simply because they wanted to honor the king. They wanted to honor the newborn baby king. Let's get into it today though. Bethlehem can be translated into two Hebrew meanings. And this is where it gets fascinating. The first one is this. This is the most common. You might have heard this before. The house of bread. House of bread. The second one is house of war. House of bread and house of war. Jesus was born into a house of bread, Bethlehem, and he became our living bread. Second is this, Jesus was born into a house of war, and in doing so, he became a triumphant king. And so here's what's amazing. The church today is standing on the finished work of Jesus, and it is an example of these two spiritual principles, these two spiritual truths, that our church, the modern church, the church today, this church, is called to be a house of bread, and we're called to be a house of war. So let's break this down really quick. Point number one is this, a house of bread. A house of bread. What is bread biblically or scripturally. I'm going to break it down. I'm going to throw a lot of scripture at you today, so you're probably going to have to uh, watch this back and take notes at a later time. But what is what is bread in God's word? Matthew 4 says this, that the word of God is bread. Matthew 15 says healing is the children's bread. Second Corinthians 9 says that resource from God is as bread. John 6 says that, Jesus says, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. So bread actually means quite a few things. At the end of the day, it's the kingdom of God because what does it include? The word of God, healing from God, resource from God, the living bread which is God himself, Jesus. So when we say that we are as a church will be an example of a house of bread, we are saying that we will be a house, a church that honors scripture, that honors God's presence, that honors God's healing, that honors Jesus over everything as our living bread. We are a house of bread. Not, as a church, we are not a house of performance, a house of showing off, or a house of self-promotion. Self-promotion. Have you ever gone into a restaurant and you smell the fresh bread? Any Texas Roadhouse fans in here? You know what I'm talking about, right? Like you go in, so strategic. You walk in, here's the host, hostess station, whatever. And on this side is what? The fresh bread. Why? Because they want you smelling the fresh bread when you come in right? They got the baskets of bread. You can literally see the guy putting them in the oven. He's making them. They're putting it up there. They got the butter, all this stuff, like bring me another basket. You know what I'm talking about? Let's go. Why? They want you to smell the fresh bread. This is God's desire for his church. That when people show up to church, when they gather in his name, it would just be as, as, as it is physically appeti- or, uh, yeah, appetizing, is that a word? As it physically is Good for you that you want bread right when you show up. It would be the same way spiritually. That you show up to this place the same way you would physically show up to Texas Roadhouse and be like, man, that smells good. I'm ready to eat. God's desire is the same way that spiritually you would show that up that way at church. Man, I'm ready to eat today. Man, I'm ready to receive today. I'm ready to get the fresh bread today. Not the old bread. Not the rock hard bread that's been in the back. Not the religious bread. Right? I want the real thing. Give me the real bread, give me the fresh bread, and in doing so, I am uh, satisfied I am able to eat. But here's the real, the real question is, why do we eat spiritually? Why do I need to consume spiritually? Because of the activity that lies ahead. Why do I need to consume the spiritual bread? It's because of what is coming. And uh, I played football in high school, and in high school our coaches were very strict about the 24 hours, what we would eat and put in our body, the 24 hours leading up to game time. Why? Because everything I put in my body, even the night before, was fuel for the game Friday night. So they would tell us, what, am I, what are you supposed to eat on Thursday night? Eat some carbs. You better take some protein. Like, you need to have something in you that your body is beginning to use by the time you get to Friday night. And it was the same way. Friday, what are you eating for breakfast? What are you eating for lunch? What are you eating right before the game? You better take some stuff in that isn't just junk food, but you better take something in that you can burn. Where? In battle tonight, in, on the football field tonight. That's why we ate. But here's what happens. Too many Christians sell themselves short of the gospel because they're only focused on what they can receive, not what they can do with what they've received. Feed me. Give me some. I want more. Give me more of that healing. Give me more of that provision without any sacrifice. Give me more, but don't ask more of me. When all of God's word says freely you've received, now freely give. Faith without works is dead. You've received, but now what are you doing? And that's where the rubber meets the road. Because here's the truth. You have access. I have access to the best worship, the the best preachers in all the world. Right? You showed up here today, but if you don't like this message, you can go home, you can get on YouTube, and you can pick out any preacher that's a little bit funnier than me, that tells better stories than me, that um, makes you feel a little bit better than I'm going to make you feel today, and you can do that and receive. You can. But here's what I've seen in the modern American church. We are overinformed and underactivated. We're overinformed, and we're underactivated. We receive, but we don't have, always have the faith to say, now I will do something about it. I've received, now I will give. People say, well, I just need more bread. I just need to be fed more. But the question I think God asks many times is, what did you do the last time you ate? Right? last time you ate spiritually. Man, I got, man, that was a good word. Great. You received it. What did you do next? This is the question. And this is why Bethlehem is so important for the modern-day church, for our church, and even for the church in in, in history, is that it would be a house of bread, which would lead us to be a house of war. And that's point number two, a house of war. Again, not very much a Christmassy uh, message today, but it is because it's talking about Bethlehem. God is showing us so much in one name, in one word from his scripture, a house of bread and a house of war Not only are we a house of bread, but we are a house of war. We eat to retain energy spiritually, to get recharged spiritually, to grow, to develop, to mature in the Lord. But the question is this, what is war according to Scripture? We know what bread is, right? It's the Word of God. It's Jesus. It's healing. It's His kingdom. It's resource from God. What is war in Scripture? Scripture shows us that prayer is war. Healing is war. Breakthrough is war. Deliverance is war. Consistency is war. Is war. Why? Because these things stand in opposition to our earthly desires. They all stand in opposition to what I want personally. And I think many times <laughs> we think that this doesn't line with uh, the Jesus that I have in my mind, right? Well, my Jesus is a loving Jesus, right? My Jesus loves me. My Jesus has the great has grace and abundant grace, and yes, he does, and yes, he loves you absolutely. But we serve a God. Of war. And I think many times we forget that. Let me show you. Joel 3 says this Proclaim this among the nations, prepare for war. Deuteronomy 20, verse 4 says, The Lord your God will go with you to fight for you, to give you victory over your enemies. Exodus 15, the Lord is a man of war. Isaiah 42, the Lord shall go forth like a mighty man. He shall stir up his zeal like a man of war. Psalm 144, praise be to the Lord who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. How many of you know, in order to have peace, most of the time, before peace is obtained, there is a violent action that must take place. There is a fight there is a battle. There is a war. There is a struggle. And this is why Jesus said, pray that blessed. He said, blessed are the peacemakers. That's why we pray for our law enforcement. That's why we pray for our first responders. That's why we pray for our military. Why? Because oftentimes, peace must be made, not just received. And that's God's heart for your life. If I'm going to experience the peace of God, many times it comes with a little bit of a fight. We are created for bread and we are created for war. We eat so we can gain strength to stand and having done all, continue to stand against our spiritual enemy. And that's the point. Is that today when you walked in, right, If we didn't hand you grenades and a a bulletproof vest and weapons and ammo, right? Because we're not preparing for a physical war. Scripture tells us in Ephesians 6.12, it says this. For we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. We have a war, and the worst part is the most dangerous place to be is on a battlefield, not knowing there's a battle taking place, It's it's dangerous enough to be in a battle and know it's happening. But when you're walking around and you have no idea that things are going off around you, it is the most dangerous place to be. But here's what happens. Bread and war. Many times we fall into one of the two categories. We are either constant bread, meaning I'm just a consumer, and the church exists to bathe me and feed me and burp me and change me and raise my kids for me and save my neighbor for me, and I'll be back next Sunday five minutes late after the service started so I can have the same activities from you, right? Just bread. Not good. Or constant war. I got fired from my job, and the devil's just attacking me, and I can't keep a job. He just keeps, continues to come after me and after me and after me. Well, have you taken a step back and asked yourself, did I get fired because I'm lazy, <laughs> Because I had a bad attitude. Because I never showed up on time. Because I wasn't willing to stay late when they asked me to. I wasn't willing to do the extra hard work whenever they asked me to. Right? Constant war. Well, the devil, man, he just won't let me get ahead. Well, maybe. But maybe I sabotage myself sometimes. Constant bread, constant war. Either are extremely unhealthy to be in. But when we see Bethlehem, we see God dwells and sends his son where? to both, to the middle of the ground, bread, so that we can go to war, so that we can do something about it. And lastly, I'll finish with this. I challenged our our A-team with this several months ago. I'll share it again today. Point number three is this. Check your ship, S-H-I-P. Let me make sure and stress the P (laughs) for everyone listening on the podcast, S-H-I-P. But I word it that way, so it's rememberable, right? So you're going to remember this. When you understand the purpose for which the house was constructed, it helps you take your rightful place as a member of the family. Let me say that again. When you understand the purpose for which the house was constructed, why are we doing church? For bread and for war. Why are we doing church? To be entertained? Absolutely not. To feel good all the time? No. Should we have fun? Yes. The joy of the Lord is our strength. I say it all the time. If we're not having fun, we're probably doing it wrong. But at the end of the day, why, was, why are we here? Why is the house constructed for bread and for war? It will help you. When you understand that, it will help you take your rightful place as a member of the family. Think about this. How disappointed would you be if you booked a cruise, you got on your plane, <laughs> you arrived at your destination, you prepared to board the cruise ship, only to realize that it's not a cruise ship at all. It's actually a battleship. Instead of going to the Bahamas, you're going to foreign waters to fight for your country. It's not a five-star restaurant. It's a cafeteria, and you will eat whatever they make you, not whatever seafood dish that you order that day. You got to be up at 5 a.m. for PT, for workouts, for daily assignments. You have a job to do and a position to man. One day you're manning the guns, and the next day you're mopping the floors, and you're cleaning the toilets. And you think to yourself, I thought I was going to be hanging out with Mickey Mouse, being in a hot tub, ordering whatever I want off the menu, and getting the fancy drinks brought to me. And you think to yourself, I'm so disappointed because what I expected is different than what I am experiencing. What I expected is different than what I'm experiencing. And people have that experience right there all the time in church. That's why people many times can't find a church. They can't get plugged in. They can't commit, whatever it is. Because what they expected is not what they're experiencing. They think they're coming to a cruise ship every Sunday, but they're actually coming to a battleship. How disappointing. (laughs) How disappointing. Where's Mickey Mouse? He ain't here. They think Pastor Dan will cater to their every need. But hear me in this, I'm not here to hand you and put a menu in your hand. I'm here to put a sword in your hand and say, prepare for war. I'm not here to put a menu in your hand. Pick whatever you want out of here and believe that and God will give it to you. No, I'll hand you the same book, but I'll say, this is a sword in your hand and in your mouth. Prepare for war. This ain't a cruise ship. It can never be a cruise ship. And if we cross that line, it becomes more and more dangerous not for God's kingdom per se, but for us as individuals because we will constantly be disappointed. We will constantly be let down and we will never find our path that God has for us. People have disappointment all the time in church. Well, I didn't didn't like worship today. I didn't like that song. Can I tell you? Good. Because we weren't worshiping you and we weren't worshiping me. Where's our focus? Here's what happens. When we approach church like a cruise ship, we make the gospel about self, when the gospel is all about self-denial. Jesus said, if you want to be a disciple, he said, deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. And let me say something. He did not say, raise your hand, say a nice worded prayer after the pastor, and then go home and do whatever you want. That's not a disciple. He said, deny yourself pick up your cross and let's go but when we approach church like a cruise ship talking from ministry perspective that's how i lead people into a relationship with jesus it's easier for me just to say raise your hand let's say a prayer go out and be blessed this week rather than for me to say hey if you want a relationship with jesus will you meet our team down here and we're going to look you in the eye and we're going to say hey (laughs) today is a day of repentance that means we're going to change our ways that means we're not going to go out and continue doing all the sinful acts that we know are wrong and plead God's grace later on no we're going to say you know what I'm going to deal with it I'm going to face it and I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit my helper to help me move forward in victory but the world is in desperate need of churches that are battleships the problem is that many times, most, if we're not careful, the church can be on a cruise ship while the culture has been on the road to hell. We've been living life, y'all. Fancy drinks for everybody. Let's go when our culture's going to hell. The enemy, and hear me in this, the enemy will leave you alone as long as you live nice, little, contained, Christian faith of a life. In fact, I think it's one of the greatest tricks of the enemy. Once you get comfortable enough, he will leave you alone. He'll never touch you. (laughs) Because when you're comfortable and everything's good and perfect, you don't have to rely on God for anything. You don't have to pray. You don't have to worship. You're not desperate and diligently seeking God. But let me remind you, you and me, we are called to eat bread so that we can go to war. And on this battleship, each and every one, each and every one of us has a job to do. Remember the New Testament whenever Jesus starts flipping tables, right? <laughs> In the temple. What would Jesus do? Sometimes he'd flip a table. I'll tell you that much, okay? Multiple times. Sometimes he'd make his own whip and drive some people out. You, ever, you read that story? <sighs> why? You ever ask that? Like, really, why? Seems a little harsh, Jesus. Seems a little extreme. Jesus is correcting the narrative about his house he's correcting it and he's saying enough people are coming in here and you're charging people to come in here and you're taking advantage of people to come in here and you're robbing from people that are coming in here trying to be close to me and what are they doing they're just making distractions well you got to buy this you got to do this and he's saying enough my house is a house of prayer because the character of the house becomes the culture of the people This is why the church in our society is more important now maybe than ever because we are, our culture's gone mad. But the character of the house, when our churches become battleships once again, it will affect the culture of the people. And the culture of the people inside the house will get outside the house and say, hey, come over here. Look what God's doing. Look how God's moving. Look what God's done in my life. But let us never forget that in all in doing this, when we look at the cruise ship and the battleship, let us never forget when we are here, this right here up here that I'm standing on, this is not a stage. It is an altar. And the moment we start considering this a stage for us to put on some great talent show every Sunday, we have missed the mark. This is a holy place. This is a place of life change that people will come forward and find freedom and find healing healing. And find hope. And marriages would be restored where? Because of a great talk? No. Because this is an altar, not a stage. It is a holy place. And there is salvation in this place. The purpose of this house is to eat bread and go to war. And everything we do must be flavored with those two ingredients. And if it is not, then we are not walking in agreement With God's original design for his house. Bethlehem. House of bread. And you can do, man, I would encourage you to do a study on it. House of bread. There's so much more into that that I can't even go into today. House of bread. Why? So we can be a house of war. Because the kingdom of God is not advanced passively, it is advanced with action and spiritual violence. Because I'll tell you this, your spiritual enemy has no um, reservations in being violent against you. It's about time the church stood up and said, "We can fight. We can be violent back. <laughs> Spiritually violent. I'm going to make that clear, okay? I want somebody cutting that part out and posting it online. Pastor Dan's calling for an all-out war over there. Spiritual war. You were not born. For passive, static Christianity, you were born for bread and you were born for war. The question is, what does that mean for you in your life right now? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes for just a second? Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your principles that never change. You were the same yesterday, today, and forever. And Lord, I thank you that you're moving that you're speaking, that you're prompting right now. Right there at your seat, just quietly, I want you to just quietly to yourself, reflect on this question. What is the Holy Spirit saying to me through this message? Right there at your seat. Because maybe for you, maybe you've been stuck in one of the two ditches, right? Maybe you've been stuck in war. Everything that goes wrong is the devil and he's out to get me, but you've been in denial about your part and what you need to fix, Maybe you've been stuck in the other ditch where you've been going and you've just been consuming and consuming bread. And I don't know about you, but just like in the natural, you eat too much bread and that's all you're eating. You're not doing anything about it. It's not going to turn out good, (laughs) okay? Maybe it's time to get active in your faith. Maybe God's been prompting you to give, to reach out, to pray, to share Jesus with someone that you're working with. Maybe he's been prompting you to start tithing, to start giving, whatever it might be. What, What is he prompting you to do? Maybe you're in here today and you would say, Pastor Dan, I've been walking with Jesus, but not like I've been supposed to. I've not been close with him. I have not denied myself, picked up my cross and followed him. I've just been going through the motions, approaching church like a cruise ship instead of a battleship. But today I'm ready to take my step. And if that's you, I'm not going to embarrass you, have you do anything weird, take you to some different room or anything like that. But I am going to ask you here in just a second, if you need prayer to recommit your life to Jesus or maybe to do it for the very first time, I am going to ask you to come forward and talk with one of our prayer team, one of our ministry altar altar team members. They're going to pray with you. They're going to help you renew your covenant with Jesus and help you walk out of here with your head held up on mission for what God has for you. Lord, I thank you for your word. Holy Spirit, I pray right now, you said that you would be our helper. And so Lord, I ask for your help in every season in every unique situation represented here, whether it's a family issue, whether it's a personal issue, whatever you are prompting right now in our spirit, Lord, would you help us Help us in our weakness. Let us go in your strength and not our own, Heavenly Father. And I pray that as we go, Lord, would you just show us abundantly your goodness and your blessing and your favor so that we know without a doubt that we are walking on your path and not our own. We are glorifying your kingdom and not our own. And Lord, I pray just over our church. I pray that in this season, as we kind of wrap up our time in the Noah's building, Lord, I pray that you would just open the right door at the right time. Lord, as we are committed to being a house of bread and a house of war as your word commands us to. Lord, I thank you that you are making a way where there seems to be no way. I thank you that you are opening doors that seem to be impossible to go through. Lord, I thank you that you are, Lord, loosing and releasing financial blessing to this church so that if we need to purchase, we can. We have the, the resources to do so. Lord, I pray that you are bringing new people to this church, even though we may not be gathering in person. Lord, I thank you that the, the word spreads about, spreads about what you're doing here and your your name is glorified, Jesus. You are lifted up and your presence touches people more than anything we can do in our own power lord but it's just you it's only you and god i thank you that our best days are our next days we're going to walk in obedience we're going to keep our head up and we're going to continue to look for you in our next step lord just make it clear for us we will be obedient we'll do whatever you ask us to do no matter how big no matter how small no matter how difficult or seemingly easy i thank you we're going to walk by faith and not by sight in jesus name everyone said amen amen